Hey everybody, welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. In today's episode, we are going to tackle formulas and the formulaic way that we approach God. Have you ever thought that you could do something right and get a result from God or possibly do something wrong and get a different result? I have. I grew up under the king of formulas. The leader of our cultic organization loved formulas and he was constantly telling you that if you followed these three steps or those five steps, etc., then you would have these specific results. And I grew up thinking that if I did the right things and followed the right rules and all that great stuff, that I would get blessings and success from God. But if anything bad happened in my life, it was definitely the result of something I did wrong. And this is something that I really was affected by as a teenager, as a young adult, and even into my marriage. I married my wonderfully opposite husband in 2007, and four weeks later, we moved out to the state of Wyoming to go to Bible college at a very little Bible school out there in a very tiny town in the eastern corner of Wyoming, middle of nowhere. And we lived in this cute little townhouse in a row of townhouse apartments with a bunch of other married couples. And it was a great, it was a great experience. But literally four months after we got married, my husband brought me the newborn baby from next door and was like, look, he's so cute. We should have kids. And I was like, no, we've been married for four months. But after four more months, he wore me down and we got pregnant and we were excited. I'd always wanted to be a mom. I was super excited. But unfortunately, at 18 weeks, I miscarried. And it was a very horrible, hard experience. I wasn't expecting that. I was doing things right. Why would God take my baby away? And so we went through a lot. We grew a lot. We learned a lot. We felt like we grew closer together, closer to God. And we got pregnant again. And this time, they were a little more careful. They saw that my uterus had an abnormality. And so they were doing more ultrasounds. And they were testing and just checking on everything. And we went to see our baby on the ultrasound at 13 weeks, and he was beautiful. He was the right size. He was jumping around. He was waving at us. And we were so excited. We were just sure that God had answered our prayers and things were going to go well this time. So four weeks later, we went back for another ultrasound at 17 weeks, and our baby was dead. There was no warning. He was just gone. And the doctor told me that he was larger this time than our first baby. And he asked me if I'd be willing to deliver him. And so on Valentine's Day, 2009, we were in the hospital all day long, laboring and then finally delivering our tiny little son. He was about 15 weeks along, big enough to hold, big enough to see his little parts and pieces, his little fingers, his eyes, stuff like that. And it was the most devastating thing I'd ever been through. I didn't have any kind of a framework to even try to understand what was happening. Because in my formulaic mind, we had done things right. We had followed the rules, we had learned all the lessons, and God had still chosen to do this. And I just didn't understand, and I didn't get it, and it was devastating. And I sat there in that hospital, and the nurse came in and said, what do you want to name your baby? And I didn't have any names. I only had names I wanted to use for live babies. I didn't have a name for a dead one. 
And I felt nothing. I felt nothing. I felt so upset with God and so frustrated and so confused. There was no trust. There was no peace. There was no faith in my heart. But my husband and I looked at each other and we said, what if we named him trust? And we took that step of faith. We chose the name trust. We named our baby boy and we went on with life. And it was so hard. But at the same time, I felt this peace. And shortly after that, I found a verse that I had found a while before from Isaiah 45. It's Isaiah 45, 6, end of 6, and verse 7. And it says, I am the Lord. There is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. When I was in college, I was a small group leader at my church, and I had a group of high school girls that I led. And one of those girls had a father who had cancer, and he ended up dying while we were well, she was in high school. And it was a, it was a traumatic experience to go through with her. I didn't really know what to say, but I specifically remember one of the other youth leaders telling her God was sorry, that God was sorry that it happened. And at the time, it didn't really strike me right. But now that I was going through my own tragedy and my own broken heart, I didn't want God to be sorry. I didn't want a God who was like, oh, oops, sorry about that. I needed a God who was strong a God who was capable, a God who knew what he was doing. And so as I found this verse in Isaiah, and he says, I form light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I just felt the Holy Spirit whisper to my heart, Christy, I did this. I took your babies on purpose. And I am so big that I do not owe you an explanation. And that gave such peace. Because it was no longer about what I had done wrong to make this bad thing happen. There was nothing that I had done. There was no formula that I hadn't followed. God took my babies. And that was the first step in me just really reevaluating this idea of how I viewed God. That if I did the right things, he would give me good things. And if I did the wrong things, I would get consequences. And it was a huge step learning faith, learning trust learning to hold on to a God that was so big that I didn't understand, but yet I believed he was good. Five weeks after I lost trust, we went to a Native American reservation in South Dakota on a little missions trip. And we stood at this juvenile delinquent home with a whole bunch of teenagers. And I was able to share the story of how I had lost my baby, but how I chose to trust God anyway. And I feel like going to that pain and being able to share that pain with these kids It was the first time I really had been able to say, like, this was a horrible, hard thing. And these were kids who had gone through horrible, hard things. And somehow it connected us. And I remember going into the bathroom after I shared and just crying and thanking God for taking my baby. Life is broken, guys. Sometimes life really, really hurts. And terrible, terrible things happen. And we have this problem of evil in our world. And people sometimes really struggle with that. And they say, well, if God is good, why is there evil? But we live in a broken, fallen world full of broken, fallen people. And so sometimes we have consequences to our choices. Sometimes the things that we do, that we choose, there are consequences. And it's not necessarily that God's punishing us, although I think sometimes he allows things to happen to stop us. But sometimes it's just consequences. You do something dumb, you get a consequence. And other times, other people have done something dumb. And now you're getting the consequence from their actions or their choices. And sometimes things are just broken. 
sometimes there's just natural disasters and sickness and all this other stuff that happens because we live in this broken world. But God is not so small that we can somehow change him by things that we do or don't do. God is so big. He is unchanging. Nothing, absolutely nothing you can do or not do is going to change him. I love that. I love that God is not a vending machine. I don't push A5 and B4 and get a Snickers bar and a bag of chips every time. That's not how he works. He is not a vending machine. And I've, I've heard this so often, guys. Like you think of people who are praying for healing for a loved one and they're told if you have enough faith, there'll be healing. If you do this and this, you'll get this result. A plus B equals C. But that's not true. It's not true. We can't have enough faith to somehow change God's mind. God knows what he's doing. He's got plans that are far above anything we can understand. And he allows terrible, terrible tragedy to happen sometimes. Because we live in this fallen world. We live in brokenness. And it's going to be like this. And I don't know if you have gone through something horrible and tragic and felt that. Or maybe if you just have these little day-to-day things where you're trying to get something, trying to get a result. Guys, we want a good life. We long for perfection. But that has nothing to do with this world. That has to do with our soul knowing it was made for eternity. We know in the depths of our heart that we were not made for this broken place. And we long for more. But we're not going to get it here. And no matter how hard we try and what formulas we follow, we're not going to get that perfect life. That's our heart longing for home. We're longing to be with Jesus in heaven, in eternity, forever. But nothing we can do here on this earth is going to change any of the results. Now, it's true that if you make good choices, you're going to have better results. I mean, if you do a bunch of stupid stuff, you're probably going to have consequences. And if you choose to do things that are less stupid, you're probably going to have good things happen. That's just cause and effect. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to get sick, that your loved one isn't going to die, that you're not going to go through these hard things that happen. That's just part of living in a broken world. There's nothing we can do to stop it. But we have a God who will be with us in the middle of it all. He will be with us and he will walk with us and he will love us and he will tell us, I've got this. And I've got you. Guys, this formulaic idea of approaching God and the way we do this, these formulas, if I do this, then God will give me this. It's everywhere. And it's so easy to fall into. And I think about even just in those good things we do as Christians, like reading our Bibles and praying. So often we come at it with this formulaic way. Well, this is the way to pray. Do this, 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 and this. And then God's going to hear you. Or this is the way to have your quiet time. First, you should do this. Then you should do that. And then you should do this. And I just think we need to let go of our formulas. I think we need to be the person that God's made us to be in the relationship with God that works for us. And maybe a prayer list works for you. Maybe you like to go through a checklist of who you should be praying for and how you should pray. And that's okay if it doesn't work for you. I'm not a prayer list kind of person. I'm the person who has a prayer journal that I write in that's sometimes about spiritual things, sometimes just about life, talking to Jesus about it. And I do that almost every morning where I sit down, my coffee, my prayer journal, my Bible, 
And sometimes I read my Bible, sometimes I don't, but I usually always journal. But then I carry that conversation with me throughout the day in the back of my mind. I'm driving, I'm doing different things, I'm talking to God. And it's just a conversation that we have. And as people are brought to mind, I pray for them. But I don't believe that my prayer is necessarily going to make a difference. I pray that he would open my eyes to what he's already doing so that I can pray for the things he's already planning on doing anyway. It doesn't mean that we can't ask. Absolutely, we should be asking. But at the same time, we can't be expecting that if we do it the right way, we're going to get a result. And the same with Bible reading. There's not the specific way to read the Bible so that you suddenly are going to get a result from God. Like we read the Bible to find out who he is, to find out who we are, to find out the truth, to have truth in our hearts and minds. And it's just something we can do to have that relationship with him and to know who he is and to know who we are and to know what life is all about. But it's not trying to get something because you know what? That formulaic approach is once again religion. It's behavior-based. We're trying to appease God. We're trying to get something from God. If I do this and this, then I will get that. It's behavior-driven. It's religion again. And it's so easy to go this way. This is our natural bent. We are naturally religious. We are naturally religious in our brokenness. In our broken fallenness, that's where we go. But you know what? It's not the truth. It's not who God really is, and it's not who we need to be. We get to have a relationship with God, and he is so big and so crazy and so much larger and higher than we can ever comprehend. He is not manipulated by us. We cannot twist God's arm by doing things or not doing things. He is who he is who he is. That's why he said, my name is I am. And I don't know about you. But I love that. There is so much just peace and confidence that comes just knowing that I am created by and loved by a God who is so much more than I can ever understand. But he wants me and he wants you too. So my questions for you guys as we close today would just be, you know, evaluate. How in your life are these formulas affecting you? Do you have this formulaic way of thinking about God? Are you thinking you're going to get something from him if you do the right things? Are you thinking you can somehow manipulate him into getting you what you want? Or is he big enough and crazy enough and strong enough to do whatever he wants, no matter what? And we can just trust him because he's good. They're hard questions, but I really hope you're asking. And I hope you'll take time to just think and evaluate. And until next time, guys. Keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.